Julie, I am so happy to see you this week. Uh, welcome to Saltier Politics. Thanks. I'm happy to see you too. It's sweltering here as we're taping this, just FYI. Well, something that I kept thinking about that I didn't even know about you was last week with Joel, you had mentioned you were cliff diving. What? Yeah. I want the deets. So the deets are actually really bad. And let me preface by saying, kids, don't try this at home. Um, I actually told this story. I was the maid of honor for my best friend who was part of this whole shenanigans with me. Um, and I told the story at her, at her wedding last summer, her mother, this is 25 years later, audibly gasped when she heard the story. So hopefully Mrs. Worth, you're not listening to this again. I'm not putting you through this a second time. Um, so this was Newport, Rhode Island. I want to say 1993 or two. Um, I, hmm, I want to say it's probably 1993. And my friend Carolyn and I were visiting two friends who were waitressing in Newport, Rhode Island that summer. And a whole group of us decided that we were going to go visit. A whole group of, of girls, young women, decided we were going to um, visit these two other women who we were friends with, who were waitressing in Newport. But one of those friends was friends with, I think it was the Columbia University crew team. So a bunch of them came down, also came up to Newport as well. And those guys decided that they were going to go cliff diving or cliff jumping. There's a place, I want to say it's called Mile High Cliff or some, some horribly scary name. But it's this cliff overlooking the Atlantic Ocean in Newport, Rhode Island. And um, this guy, Tom, whose last name will remain nameless in case he has to be embarrassed by the story, um, who my friend Carolyn immediately had this develop this massive crush on. And Tom, um, and he, he and his guy friends decided they were going to go jump off this very high cliff. Um, and Carolyn said to me, come on, we've got to do it. We've got to do it with them. And I go, what are you talking about? And she goes, we have to do it. I'm really into this guy. I want to impress him. And I was like an idiot. I was like, sure, OK. Meanwhile, what was I getting out of this? Nothing. So <laughs> we do. We jump feet first off this cliff. And it was so dumb because any wrong, I mean, like literally a millimeter here, a millimeter there, we would have been crushed against the rocks or just splattered or, or paralyzed or God knows what could have happened. But we did it twice. And the scariest part was actually not the jump. The scariest part was the fact that obviously laws of physics, the higher you jump, the harder you fall. Um, and going into the ocean and then trying to get back to the surface was, was really terrifying because it took forever and I thought my lungs were going to explode. I, of well, course, I mean, the, being yeah, an idiot, did it again. The first time you're like, oh, my lungs, I was horrible. How long did it take you to be like, I'm going to do this one again? Well, immediately, because Karen's like, come on, we got to do it again. The guys are doing it again. Anyway, long story short, or long story made even longer, Carolyn ends up dating this guy for a decade. Um, they literally dated from their 20s into their 30s, um, and they're no longer together. But the point is, she got something out of it. <laughs> and I just got a good story. Yeah, you got, I got a good story. story. I got a good story to tell. But kids, do not try this at home. This is the kind of stuff, by the way, that as a mother keeps you up at night because you realize, like, your your idiot kids will do this too. Oh, yeah. And um, and there, but for the grace of God, go all children, I guess. So I just cross my fingers and hope that mine is not gonna jump oh, do you in right? a really bad place. And anyway, I hope he never grows up to listen to this podcast because I really hope he never hears the story but no, the reality is he's probably going to do the same dumb thing it's an amazing story yes I, I've been skydiving bungee jumping hang gliding and wow. parasailing so 
I did not tell my mom until after the fact. Of I feel all like of all of those have controls though, right? Like there's, there's bungee there's, jumping was ridiculous, but it's, I don't think it's as treacherous as cliff diving. Well, it's not treacherous in the same way only because I, I assume there's a cord holding you and somebody's, yes. somebody's in charge of this cord. Well, right? yeah, in the, on the cord though. So it was in, I studied abroad in Australia and my friends were like, let's go bungee jumping. And then the next morning they were all hung over and didn't go, but I had it in my head. I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. So I went alone. Hmm. did it and I'm like if I'm not back in three hours I've died please call someone but that's I pretty had, cool though that you did it I but I was like you know what it's in my head and I'm gonna keep thinking about it so I just did it wow I think if I thought about it I wouldn't have done it but um again <laughs> I love that you're like I'm gonna jump again that, I'm gonna jump was, again uh, and again I get what my friend Carolyn was getting out of it she ended up you know as I said in this very long-term wonderful relationship with this guy uh, what I to this day it's been 25 years longer and I still don't know what I got out of it other than a good story well, well speaking of not knowing what we got out of it what did you get out of the Mueller hearings so I actually got a lot out of the Mueller hearings um I got Robert Mueller effectively conceding that anybody else who's not the president of the United States would have gotten indicted um for lying in his written answers to Congress or not to Congress to him to the Justice Department and if you think about how many people did get indicted for that, um, Papadopoulos, Papadopoulos being exhibit A, but I mean, there are people consistently who um, get indicted for this kind of stuff. You can't lie to the feds. And uh, Robert Mueller basically said that Donald Trump lied and that they didn't explore um, the topic of obstruction because, um, or conspiracy, I should say, or really explore any of it in a, in a criminal way because you can't indict the president. But um, what's also interesting to me is that he conceded that Donald Trump Jr. lied to Congress, um, for which I assume he would get indicted, except that they are probably are concerned that, that Trump's going to just punish him, or sorry, pardon him, excuse me, I wish Trump punished him, pardon him. Um, but it's really a miracle to me how much not just the president, but the people around him get away with. Um, it's essentially a criminal cabal. And the fact that he conceded that he's concerned that people close to the president are exposed to blackmail from the Russians potentially, or from others, not just the Russians, foreign, from, from foreign governments um, because of what they do. Um, some of those people have high security clearances, which is troubling to me. I don't want to single anybody out. Uh, I don't know if it's Jared Kushner, but that certainly is a name that might be one of those people. Um, it's, it's pretty bad. What did you get out of it? I, I thought... The optics on both sides, they both kind of saw what they wanted to see, more so the Republicans by not admitting when they said, for example, it was in fact a witch hunt by completely ignoring that and still going on that. Well, what's interesting is the Republicans went after Robert Mueller as though he's some sort of criminal. The guy is a lifelong Republican. He is um, a former head of the FBI. I mean, he's kind of with a spotless reputation. And it just goes to show anybody that comes into Trump's orbit, either as an adversary or as an ally, it just gets sullied, just gets mud splattered so, on them. Do you think Do you think that the GOP successfully sowed the seeds of doubt uh, about Mueller's investigation and his motives? To their base, yes. Um, I think, ironically, more and more Democrats came out for an impeachment inquiry. As you know, I was not so enthusiastic about an impeachment inquiry early on. I'm fully bought into it now because, to me, Mueller's report, and he all but said this in his 
testimony, again, reluctantly and against his will, but the implication was clear to me that this was an impeachment referral, that he's saying, I and the Justice Department cannot do anything about a sitting president. There's only one remedy for this, and that is you, Congress. Right. And Congress needs to do his job. If this is not impeachable, what is impeachable? He said that Donald Trump and his allies sought help from the Russians, um, welcomed it. That's a foreign adversary. I mean, how is that not putting the interests of your own campaign ahead of the interests of the American people and our national security? I just, I don't understand it. And Ronald Reagan must be rolling over in his grave uh, at, at the way the Republican Party is acting towards Russia right now. Well, I mean, Ratcliffe is going to be, is getting a position out of it. Ratcliffe is definitely getting a position. Out, well, let's see. It remains to be seen if Ratcliffe gets confirmed. And Mitch McConnell, who really does earn the nickname Moscow Mitch because he's opposed, and we'll get to that about oh, what I'm salty about. That's what but I'm salty about. That's what we're both salty about. But, um, but, but the fact that they're not taking any of this seriously is just amazing to me. I mean, how do you put somebody like that in charge of our national security? I mean, say what you will about Dan Coats. I didn't agree with him on much when he was a senator, but... Um, he was, in fact, I think, a pretty good director of national intelligence. And that's a job that really should be apolitical. And the fact that you're putting some flunky with no national intelligence experience in that position purely because he auditioned well at the Mueller hearings is a travesty. And everybody should be appalled by it. Democrat, Republican, just completely disgusting and disgusted with this. I really thought also that a lot of this hearing was just about offering their own opinions over soliciting Mueller's actual, what he had to say. It was about going on five-minute monologues. They yeah. were really digging. Well, which that, was... that's, that's Congress. Okay. Um, I, you know, in this day and age, unfortunately, with cable TV um, and, and the way you, you have to speak in sound bites when you're on cable, it becomes harder and harder to actually have real meaningful interactions. It's all about getting that sound bite in so that they play it on Fox and Friends or Rachel Maddow or whoever your side of the aisle uh, right. TV station is, cable station is, and that's pretty problematic for how to conduct yourself as a member of Congress, I think. And I mean, I, I guess look at Senator Harris when she questioned Kavanaugh. She looked like a prosecutor then, and those were viral moments. I just wish that on both sides that they had had more of that and followed up with him. They did. I mean, Adam Schiff, I thought, did a good job. Ted Lieu, I thought, did a good job. Um, I've said this before, but it's very interesting how Jim Jordan and especially Louis Gohmert never met a QAnon or however you pronounce it, conspiracy theory that in love. Um, you know, these are, these are the, yep. I mean, Louis Gohmert, Gohmert, for God's sake, you know, I used to spend time with him in the green room at Fox and the stuff that would come out of his mouth in private is actually just as absurd as, as the stuff that comes out of his mouth in public. Um, so I guess there's not much of a difference. Nice guy, though. Um, but it's, it's pretty, pretty bizarre. I mean, they're all auditioning to be Sean Hannity's favorite guest, the Republicans. And that's fine if you want to contract to Fox, and God bless, but you are putting the interests of the country way behind your own personal pecuniary interests, and I think that's kind of upsetting to me to some extent, especially when it comes to foreign interference. I mean, there's no question, there's no question that the Russians interfered. All of our intelligence agencies came to that conclusion. And the fact that that seems to sort of be a casualty of partisan politics is disgusting to me. It's awful. We can talk more about that, about, you know, I don't want to get salty too early, but that's what makes me well, very salty. we can start talking about partisan politics when it comes to those horrific Trump tweets about Elijah Cummings. 
Is that partisan or is that just racist? I mean, he's gone just full on racist. racist. There's no other word for it. Racist. And then you've got, you know, our, our esteemed White House chief staff, Mr. Mulvaney. That was talking about how if this were my congressional district, I'd be run out on a rail. Dude, your congressional district had a pretty high poverty level, pretty I, much close to Elijah Cummings. I would like to note that Ben Carson lives in the district that Trump said no one wanted to live in. Yeah, I would love to note that... Uh, we have not ben, heard from Secretary Carson. No, we have not heard from Governor Hogan, as far as I know, um, Republican governor of Maryland who oversees um, this congressional district as the governor. And, and frankly, um, what are you doing, Donald Trump? You're the President of the United States. How about the buck stops with you, Harry Truman famously said. So does Trump not take any responsibility for what's going on in, in, in the country? And, and again, there are Republican districts that are just as awful when it comes to poverty. Let's take a walk down to the deep south. Because Let's take a walk down to wait. Kentucky where, where Moscow Mitch is, is, <laughs> is Senate, is, you know, the senator. Everywhere. Rand Paul. Um, yeah. You know, let's keep going. Let's talk about the fact that places like New York City, where I live and where you live, Emily, send more money back to those states because there is such poverty than we ever get back. I mean, we support those cities and, I'm and those sh- states. I'm pretty sure I've seen a homeless person take a dump in front of Trump Tower at least once. Yeah. Exactly. So let's exactly. talk. <laughs> exactly. So it's 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 ridiculous. The only people that fall for it are, are the most base of Trump's base, but they love it because it makes them feel better about where they live. Um, right. Meanwhile, you've got places like West Virginia, um, where Trump won, places like um, Kentucky that are in abject poverty and, and not getting much better under this president. And the part that even offends me more is the reason he can go after places like Baltimore or go after places like Skid Row in LA and, and other cities like that is because he has no he doesn't the electoral college has made it so that he doesn't have to care about maryland or california because he's not going to win them anyway he's not going after west virginia he's not going after michigan he's not going after ohio he's not going after even minnesota to some extent because he is concerned about winning there and he doesn't care about maryland and he certainly doesn't care about california because he's not going to win there and he knows it and that's yet another blessing of the electoral college that it's made it acceptable for the president to go after certain cities, i.e. Democratic areas, and not others. I just find it surprising that not one Republican can come out against this. No, of course not. I mean, are you still surprised by that? Because he's completely taken over this party. It's, it's amazing. I mean, Tim Scott, yeah, well, senator from South Carolina, you know this is blatant racism. Where are you? And Will Hurd wouldn't even come out and say that it was blatantly. And I'm not saying the onus is on them because they're African-Americans, but the reality is they know a dog whistle when they hear it because they've heard it about themselves for all these years from a lot of these people. And the fact that they're not calling it out is, is abysmal. You know, Tim Scott's not a dumb man. Tim Scott, in fact, is a very smart man. And Tim Scott knows, I'm convinced knows what this is. I believe he was almost arrested uh, by the Capitol police in the, in in Congress because they thought he was trespassing. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, he knows. And I mean, like, look, Donald Trump went after John Lewis the other day. John Lewis, John Lewis, who got beaten to within an inch of his life during the civil rights movement. I mean, I literally an icon of the civil rights movement. Um, and yet here is the president of the United States going after him. Uh, look, and then, of course, you notice he pivots to Al Sharpton, everybody's favorite boogeyman, and Al Sharpton certainly has his detractors in both the Democratic and the Republican parties. I'm not a humongous fan of Al Sharpton. 
Um, but it's very nice to pivot to Al Sharpton. But how about Elijah Cummings, who... Let, let us remember that the reason he was going after Elijah Cummings is not coincidental. He was going after Elijah Cummings because Elijah Cummings just uh, requested as the chairman of the House Oversight Committee Jared Navanka's emails. So this is daddy coming to the defense of his princess and her, you know, Prince Charming. And that's all this is, and using the power of his office to do it, and it's disgusting, and this is why nepotism is the most disgusting thing in this administration, one of the most disgusting things in this administration. And it's, it's one of the things he's best at. It's diverting attention to the real issue. Of course. At hand. Of course. Oh, uh, he's so gross. Um, I guess getting, speaking of gross, let's get right into what we're salty about. I believe it's the same thing. Are you salty about Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blocking two election bills designed to, designed to deter interference by Russian and other states? Well, yes, I am, Emily. Thanks for asking. Because oh, <laughs> I believe we're salty about the same thing. Wow. Well, I mean, I can go on about things I'm salty about in addition to that. I mean, we, we touched on this already, but Mitch McConnell is so gross. I mean, Mitch McConnell, to me, Mitch McConnell is worse than Donald Trump because Mitch McConnell knows. Mitch McConnell absolutely knows what is right and what is wrong. But Mitch McConnell cares about one thing and one thing only. Mitch. Preserving himself, and the Republican majority. Guess who the Russians are going to be helping next year? Oh, why? It's Mitch McConnell, because they're not invest- he's not investigating them. Or look who it is, Donald Trump, because he's been more than helpful to them. Could I also note that, according to Time, McConnell received a slew of donations from four of the top voting machine lobbyists in the country. The companies make up about 80% of all voting machines used in the country. And if these bills had passed, they'd very likely be slapped with new regulations and financial burdens. Oh, God, heaven forfend. We don't want any regulations on anybody, oh, Emily. Not, I, on, not on people putting arsenic in water. Right. Or making sure coal miners in Kentucky are able to breathe more easily. Oh, I don't know. We don't want those kinds of regulations because, God forbid, that might put the coal mines out of business and save a couple of lives. I mean, right. And You know what? But I actually didn't know. I was listening to a podcast embedded in NPR one, and I had no idea how how much McConnell was just for as much money and gifts. So he was. So McConnell um, actually had an interesting view, and I'm not sure that I disagreed with his view to some extent, having worked in politics. I think McCain-Feingold, which is John McCain's bill to, to, to try to get rid of, quote-unquote, dark money, um, first and foremost led inadvertently to Citizens United, which <laughs> was now basically now ensured that um, one person, i.e. Sheldon Adelson, can spend a billion dollars if he so chooses advocating for the election of Donald Trump. So um, in some ways, it really backfired against the intent that, that both Senator McCain and Russ Feingold wanted. Um, but Mitch McConnell's view was, you're not going to get money out of politics, so just disclose it all. And I don't necessarily disagree with that viewpoint. What I would love is transparency and disclosure. And unfortunately, what Citizens United has done, we're going off on a massive tangent here, is precluded exposure. It's made sure that C4s and and others um, are able to create, um, super PAC is is not a legal term, but are able to create organizations that are able to mask their donors. Okay. Um, So I could could fund, if I had a billion dollars, I could fund, you know, the committee for, you know, a better tomorrow and you would never know who it is advocating against you and who's behind that money because it's, it's, it's not right. subject to disclosure. Um, so uh, I think disclosure is the sunlight's the best disinfectant, um, and that's what you should do. But um, 
Mitch McConnell has consistently, consistently um, been against any kind of regulation, um, virtually anything, but any kind of regulation that would lead to more free and fair and open elections. Right. Voting, he votes for himself to, ma- like you just said, maintain his own power and maintain. Yeah, he doesn't care. I mean, he, I don't think Mitch McConnell has any ideology. He's much, very much like Trump. I don't think Trump has any ideological underpinnings other than, you know, angry. Atterboro white man fury, but aside from that, I don't think he necessarily, look, this guy was pro-choice before he was pro-life. He was a Democrat before he was a Republican. It's not like he's had some come to Jesus moment. He just realized what he could do to get elected and and did it. Mitch McConnell is more nefarious than that because Mitch McConnell, unlike Trump, actually knows how to use the levers of power to prevent all sorts of things from happening. I mean, Mitch McConnell unilaterally decided that a president in his third year, fourth year of office doesn't get to nominate a Supreme Court justice. Well, why? I mean, I don't, why is that? And then sure enough, God forbid, if a, if a Supreme Court justice died next year, I guarantee you Mitch McConnell is going to bring it up for a vote before the presidential election. He's basically said he would. Um, so the whole thing is completely cynical. He's just completely cynical. There's no other way to describe Mitch McConnell. He's just a complete cancer on the body politic. Not to mention the scam that he has been pushing, pulling from his wife's connections. And the fact that Donald Trump is very smart to give his wife a high cabinet position to keep Mitch McConnell in line. And, you know, it's, it's sad. The whole thing is just very sad. But, but one, oh, one other thing I would like to note that is, I think, good um, is I saw recently a New York Times article referring to my generation as the Spice Girl generation instead of millennials. Oh, so why I are you the like, Spice Girl generation? Uh, well, because the Spice Girls, it was became popular around the time I was about seven, eight, and early. Um, but also, I'm, I'm, nobody can see my expression right now. The, but I'm looking at Emily with lots of distaste the, because I remember where I was when the Spice Girls became popular. And oh, I don't know. I think I was graduating from college at that point. We're the last, oh, I'm sorry. I had already graduated from college. That's right. Go ahead. We're the last generation that has had um, didn't have screens like iPads or phones or cell phones like mm-hmm. that. So and can still remember the time before it and during. So that is the Spice Girl generation. And instead of millennial from from now on, I will be I would like to be known as Spice Girl generation. You know, um, one of my very good friends when the Spice Girls and I came out um, were in London. <laughs> 1997 she was living in London at the time and I was visiting her and it was like the explosion of the Spice Girls everything was in those little girl power girl power union jacks every the Spice Girl union jack dresses like ever you know it was completely like Spice Girl mania and she looked at me and we were you know you're typically what were we 25 I guess at the time 24 and 23 I can't do math 24 anyway it doesn't matter um so we were going through our guy angst, I forgot, you know, who was dating whom at the time, but one of us looked at the other, she looked at me, she goes, like, after a few drinks, she was very kind of emotional about it, she goes, you know, man, the Spice Girls are so right, (laughs) the Spice Girls right about, and she's like, I mean, guys have to learn this lesson, if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends, and I was like, that's so true, and that to this day, it's now been like 20-something years, and we live by this credo, this Spice Girls motto credo, that if you want to be my boyfriend or date me or marry me, like, you got to get with my, you got to be friends with my friends, because how many guys or women or whoever have people dated where they totally blow off your friends, and like, your friends are your friends, your girls are your girls, you got to make sure that they're, you know, 
living by the Spice Girls motto. I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but this has been, now that you've raised the Spice Girls, something oh. that we've been living by for the last two decades. I, I don't think I could conclude a podcast or write an ending to one in any better way. Thank you. This week. That was, that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to admit, um, I have a Spotify list, which, which consists of, you know, lots of classic rock. Um, and it also uh, has not one, not two, but many, many Spice Girls songs on it. I, this is this is one of the best weeks ever. Not only did I learn about your cliff diving, but I've also learned about your Spice Girl you gotta, fandom. You gotta live with the Spice Girls motto. By the way, men, if you're listening to this, or women, if you're listening to this, it's so true. You want to date some girl, you gotta or guy, you gotta get with her friends. Like it's true. You, you can't you can't blow off the friends because the friends are gonna be the friends are gonna make or break your relationship. Quite honestly, because the friends have been around longer than you, and for all you know, they're gonna be there long after you're gone if you don't get with the program. So I still live by the Spice Girls motto. And you know what? Today, instead of getting salty, we're spicing up our lives. Spicing people of the world. All right, <laughs> Emily, great podcast. See you next week. All Bye. Right.